0: This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idle, and today, coming to you live from just outside of Denver, Colorado, Chris Lang, the email, what I'm going to call guru at this point, from what I just picked up from him just prior to this interview. So, Chris, thanks so much for hopping on.
1: Oh, certainly. Uh, I I was looking forward to it. I I like the kind of things, and you said we got a little time to play with here, too, so we could actually get into some of the deeper stuff, not have to try to rush for that 30 minutes.
0: Yeah, nothing, nothing like that. I don't, I admittedly, Chris, I don't put a stopwatch on these. If, if we we have a good time and it's, some of these have been two, two and a half hours, right? Like you never know what's going to come out. So I want to respect your time, but also you have such a depth of knowledge from all the things you've been through. I'm going to be remiss not to pick your brain, right? I, I'm sitting with someone that from where I sit, you you have so many keys to the castle that exists right now that I'm truly honored that you're here with me, but I'm I Chris, my, my friend, I, I like to start every interview by asking a question. Before we dive into all the magic that's you and your email delivery and what you know about it, you've been around the internet marketing world for quite some time. If there was one thing, if there was one lesson that every current business owner should know, one thing that they should do immediately, what is it?
1: Pay attention to the Gmail promotions tab. Uh, most people that actually use Gmail as a prime account. You know, one of the things they do is they turn off the tabs uh, and, and turn off the promotions tab uh, because you know, you're know you separating content, but the promotions tab is probably uh, your biggest impedance to getting high open rates than the spam folder is. I mean, you know, if we're in a spam folder, we can fix that pretty fast. The promotions tab is a hard fix and it takes a fair amount of work it has nothing to do with your ESP. It's all, it's all comes from you. And, and I would leave those tabs in there set up and, and, and be thinking about, you know, why people are in, you know, list that you subscribe to, why are they in primary and why are others in sometimes the same, same list are also in, uh, the promotions tab. And, uh, we'll talk about how, uh, Taylor Sheldon from Dean Graciosi's uh, 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 team. Uh, we, we tested this highly, and for three months, and we proved to ourselves. Uh, the promotion stand will cut your opens in half. Overall, I mean, your full open stitch. It's it's something to be considering and really thinking about at all times.
0: So, Chris, when you, let, let's dive into that, right? You're you're pressing on something that's really impactful to me right now. If you're not familiar as you're listening, right? at across the top of your Gmail box, if you're using the Gmail client, there are tabs across the top from, right, a traditional mail to promotions, maybe even spam depending on how you have it set up. You can see a lot of things across the top. And one of the banes of existence as you grow your email list, right, this is gonna be applicable when you get, you know, more than a couple hundred emails under your belt. This is gonna be something, and it matters then, but it really matters with scale. Getting trapped in the promotion feedback loop, once you're in there once, you're kinda in there, right, like it, it's like the never-ending cycle of darkness until someone like you comes along and educates you on how to get out.
1: Sure, Uh, a little history at a promotion stamp. So we started with the uh, priority inbox in 2009, saw the promotion stamp come around 2012. Uh, The Gmail's always in a three-year development UI cycle. Uh, We saw a much steeper algorithm come out in 2016 and it took every ESP quite some time to react to it, and then now we're in 2019, and I, I believe that a new layer of Gmail is actually coming, and whatever you're doing now is gonna be a bit different in 2020. Now, the promotions tab uh, came around back in 2012, 2013, is pretty much when everybody started paying some attention to it or heard about it. Uh, certainly, drag and drop whitelisting from a promotions tab, the primary click yes, uh, definitely something you want to push to your list. Now, as far as proof of what uh, what the promotions tab uh, uh, can, can seriously have you know money effect, you're going to lose money. I mean opens. our clicks are money. So if you're not getting the opens, you you're losing money. And a lot of times uh, we see uh, single digit opens, and people assume they're in Gmail spam, but it's really the promotion spam. Now, Tiana Sheldon, who I worked with for two years from Dean Garcia's team, uh, as you can see by the uh, the cop I was I was the, kind of just the behind the scenes architect for uh, the mastermind.com watch rightly uh delivery should be put given, you know, delivery credit should be given to Mirabosi. team. Uh, but I, I made a little few changes behind the scenes and, and I think it had great effect. But what we found, what we discovered in 2015, 2016, 2017, is uh, you were able to write your way out of the promotion tab. Less links, less copy, don't talk about money. Uh, let's not have five images in a, a banner of social platforms across the bottom. Uh, Chuck Lainey and I were the first two to really start talking about it. Uh, now everybody says the same thing. So as soon as everybody starts saying the same thing about anything that Google does, or any of its uh, applications, they're going to make changes. So in 2018, uh, Tater comes to me and goes, Hey, we're back in the promotions tab and I'd written their way out previously. We were solidly in primary, uh, uh getting, uh, 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 nice opens well above 20%. Uh, suddenly we're back to, uh, somewhere around eight to 10% opens and in our inboxes, everything's in promotions. So we used a, uh, uh, highly professional piece of software, we used 250 OK. Uh, very expensive piece of software in these days. Most people can't really afford it. Uh, it's, it's, it's like any of the big uh, delivery applications. It's all or nothing. There's no little monthly payments. So we used uh, uh, 250 OK at, that was available at the time. And we used uh, a lot of split testing uh, uh, with a professional list, obviously, professional copywriters, And uh we began split testing. What happens, number one, if you're in a promotions tab? How bad is it gonna be? So if you if your list is 50% Gmail, which undoubtedly it is, and you're going to the promotions tab, that that that's that uh uh, footprint of Gmail is gonna cut your opens in half. And you're gonna see single digits at best, maybe 10%, uh probably more like five in my mind. Uh, and we are gonna see uh, uh, very good open rates when you are in primary it, it's just you know if it takes an extra click in any point in your marketing process we all know that that is going to cut uh, that is going to cut performance and obviously the promotions tab is because when you load that gmail app on your phone you're going to primary to begin with uh, usually by default and then you're actually going to have to take action to go to the promotions tab. Every action cuts performance. And, you know, when last year in uh, Black Friday, we saw the promotion tab as much as four to seven pages long. That's not where you want to be in a single day's date range.
0: So, Excuse Chris,
1: Honey, you're going to have to bring those dogs in because uh, uh, they're, they're having a lot of fun out there. Okay.
0: so No problem. So, Chris, as we talk, I'll call it uh, – I call it list warm-up. There's probably a better – better term than that, but someone has, we'll say, listen to the show right now, I allow an opt-in to download some free resources from this show. From that standpoint, we talk best practices in the world. What should happen for the first day, week? I mean, I don't want to have you map out an entire or, you know, orchestra for us, but something that is you know high level, I'll, I'll share mine, right? I won't even have you shotgun and you can completely tear mine apart. I'm okay with it. You join my mailing list, I basically ask, you know, provide what I said I would provide. There's no images, there's no links, there's no anything in the first email. It's basically who I am, what I do. It's it's written in the tonality that I'm a friend and I'm connecting with you. And then I ask at the bottom if you'd be so kind as to white, you know, put this on your white list. That helps make sure I'm always in your box. Then from sure. from there, it's just a really a drip sequence of value add where it takes seven emails before I do anything that has any sort of link any sort of anything, because my, my mindset was, right, I'm getting a, you know, if I'm lucky, I'm getting a 25% open rate pretty consistently. If I send seven emails, I got a pretty good shot of getting everybody at one point or another say yes, you know, at least open one, before they start feeling like they're getting beat over the head to, to take a step closer. How, how bad is that structure?
1: No, this sounds great. I mean, it's the uh, it's it's basically the uh, uh, idea of an autoresponder that, you know, we all started using. I started back in 99 on Aweber. Um, And and I like that, but here since you already mentioned listen, it used to be that all you had to do is add someone to your address book to to uh, encourage delivery, and it's still true of a lot of the cable companies when it comes to Gmail, Microsoft, AOL, Yahoo, the big four as we'll call them, uh, and we'll call them MVPs too, mailbox providers. Uh, I don't feel that they're ISPs; they certainly aren't ESPs. Uh, You know, I mean, Aweber, Infusionsoft, wherever you're at, that's your ESP. These are mailbox providers, and they're free mailbox providers. And about six years ago, they took over your list. You just didn't know it. Uh, If you remember 10 years ago, we used to try to disallow free email addresses. That's pretty much all there is these days. (laughs) So things have changed here, number one. Uh, And number two, since you mentioned whitelisting, 10 years ago, I invented the email whitelist generator. Uh, mine is industry standard. Most of the ESPs out there recommend that people use it. Uh, certainly my friends at Maripost do. Uh That can be found at whitelist.guru. Uh, that weird extension, but I wanted something I could shout out on webinars, there's still force stopped in. You're not even gonna get any back-end marketing. It's just a great free tool that I've updated every year for 10 years now. And it's about to get a new update too because Microsoft is doing some strange things now that need to be added to this. But uh, it, it's, it's mobile friendly, et cetera, and it's a, just a simple page FTP, don't throw it. WordPress, you will have a lot of success with it. Everybody uses it, and uh, I'm pretty proud of that, but that's, but that's what we're getting here too. Is now almost everyone, it was certainly since uh, the rise of Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels, and the new word funnels, Everyone has a, an OTL funnel, has upsells, sales, down sales, et cetera. Uh, it, it's how we make money, and we don't want to break that. So the old days of the thank you page that redirected upon opt-in, and then you had whitelisting instructions on it. Uh, those days are kind of gone, and what Ryan Dice does, and I suggest too, especially now some people still do have that static thank you page and lead magnet and everything is in the email. Now that's a great place to use whitelisting instructions. However, most of us don't. Most of us have multiple products and, and we have some type of funnel. We don't want to interrupt that process because again, any interruption in what you're doing is going to cost you money. So what I do with clients uh, in that case is I suggest that they stage it in the first uh, uh, paragraph, first email. Now, a lot of marketers hate doing that. A lot of my clients hate doing that, but you're going to make more money in the long run if you're whitelisted from promotions to primary, if you're fighting the spam folder anywhere. One of the biggest indicators of quality is getting marked as not spam. You've got to ask people to do that. And the way it's done at the big four, again, Yahoo, Microsoft, Gmail for the last time, the big four, they all have different ways of doing it and AOL blocks images by default, you have to enable them. And AOL is still an important segment on any email list. They give lots of feedback to the uh, third parties that, uh, the powers that be out there that decide whether or are not to filter your email. But I mean if you have, a, most people are, are, are showing uh, uh, no AOL segment these days because, well, nobody turned images on for them. So they never got any open pixels and hence they all became non-engagers. I see lots of people with a zero AOL footprint these days, and that's because of that. This uh, started maybe, I don't know, a year ago, nine months ago, AOL started blocking images as they started to consolidate with Yahoo after being bought by Verizon. Whitelist instructions are key. Uh, If you wanna see Ryan Dice's version of this, Google Ryan Dice perfect welcome email. And he's got the PDF. He and he shows right there that he uses whitelist instructions in that first link after a first short paragraph.
0: And if, in case you, as you're listening, or for some strange reason you don't know Ryan Dice, right? Ryan Dice. I was back in in War Room when it was Ryan and Perry way 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 back when. But Ryan Dice is the founder creator of DigitalMarketer.com. Right, a, a, a brilliant man as far as to me at this point in the white hat white hat marketing space I know back in the day there were we we like pushing the edge and we're tapping in, into the gray and maybe even some of the black occasionally in war room but he is a, that is a phenomenal resource for anything that is digital marketing
1: so I, I kind of like to uh, now Brian doesn't use my whitelisting instructions and somebody should tell him he needs to update him because the last time I looked at him they were there were a uh, so I don't want to elude that uh, Uh, Ryan Dyser digital marketer, uses my whitelisting instructions. I recommend you do. uh, And I recommend you push on first contact when your people are most interested in you. When you have that that, uh, extreme confidence, or at least that, I'll give this guy a try and see how much spam I get mindset maybe. Which which I think is the mindset of certainly uh, civilians, as I call them. Yeah. Uh, we we expect to be sold. I mean, we sell people. I love it when people Someone who's a great sales price to sell me. I love it. I love it when kids come to the door with the really slick clothes. And uh, I enjoy being sold. I enjoy seeing someone do a good job at that job. So us marketers are a bit different than the civilians. By asking people to whitelist you, uh, giving instructions because it's not as easy as it, as it used to be, it was just had to address, but still a big indicator of quality when you're talking about the cables like like Cox, Verizon, uh, etc., cetera. Uh, certainly, uh, the Canadian cables really love it when you are added to address books. The more that are added, the more and sooner or later you will hit a threshold, and then the rest of the list will follow. It's just like, it's just like any Google property. Uh, the more uh, positive indicators, as we started calling them about uh, 10, 12 years ago, uh, positive indicators you hit, the more effect it has on everything. Uh, and, and, and in fact, you'll see uh, a couple of my clients that are really well-known that have hit those indicators and are in primary. I haven't opened any of their emails in four or five months, and they're still in my primary because the rest of the list is creating positive indicators. And it takes a lot of what I think about with Gmail, too. I mean, it's basically a crowdsourced uh, email delivery platform.
0: Well, absolutely. And speaking of that, Chris, what what's an email frequency that you think is appropriate, right? So I look at it, right? I'll say things that would be storytelling versus asking, whatever we say. Obviously, if you're spamming the living daylights out of your list, eventually the quality goes down. But as far as right, I, I own an actual business where I actually offer a service that I don't do any affiliate promotions. All mine is reaching out, right? I'm a daily content guy on social. I'm daily content on Podcasts, I'm in its value, right? I, I personally run right, about once every twenty-one to twenty-eight days. In every other platform, is when I put on an actual ass to step in. All the rest is value, but I've never known on, on email, right? How much? If I look at someone like uh, Yada Golden, right? So one of the copywriters for for Russell, one of the ones that's you know, two Comic Club winner and all the fun stuff. I know Yada and I had a conversation with her. And she said, we'll tell your story every day, right? Right, like you're writing somebody every day, and I'm like. And that's just another darn platform to have to write content for. But I look at you as the expert on content delivery. So what's, what's appropriate?
1: I, I think that every list is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see a lot of people talking about engagement cutoff points. Having opened emails in X amount of uh, uh, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, uh, uh, you got to stop mailing them at some point. That's, that's pretty much become evident. You know, in fact, it was Ryan Dice that first started talking about this, five, six years ago in his product, The Machine, and really brought automation to everyone's minds. So at some point, you've got to stop emailing people. But if if you think about it, if you're getting a 20% open rate, and you only mail once a week, I want you to start thinking about how much you're shooting your list in the foot if you mail every Tuesday, and you mail once a week, and you're getting 20% opens. 75% 75% of your list, in theory at this point, you know, we, we could we could uh, basically guess that 75% of your list is becoming unengaged because you're simply not mailing it up. It, it, it's like Facebook. You know why everybody posts every day on Facebook? It's so that you get engagement across and, or two, three times a day. Uh, certainly there's been a behind-the-scenes product that apparently everyone read because everybody's posted multiple times a day uh, I, I, again. A large part of your following is going to be coming unengaged if you post at the same time of day every day. I mean, look look at most uh, 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 agencies uh, on into small corporations and certainly uh, uh, large corporations. The morning is pretty much taken up uh, with various specific days of setting goals, uh, 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 setting tasks reviewing what has got done and was it not done right, especially Mondays and Tuesdays. So if you only mail Tuesday, I mean, how many people out there, let's think about it, how many people out there actually get to page two of Gmail? There oh. there's 50 emails on page one. Right. If I missed you yesterday. Sorry, maybe I'll get you next week. Uh, again, it's, it's just part of the inbox game. But if you're not, so to really answer your question, now with all that groundwork, laid. Like, Let's get back to your question. I think you should be mailing as many times as you can, right up to that threshold where where it starts to, you know, it just starts to peak and run down the other side of the roller coaster. If that means uh, you're hitting people on Sunday afternoon after they get back from church, I hate mailing uh, on Sunday morning. I hate uh, Saturday afternoon. I pretty much hate Friday and Monday completely. Uh, For me, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you know a lot of big marketers do a Monday warm-up during the week launch, going, going, going through Sunday, and start the process over on Monday. Uh, I mean, if you're you're thinking that you're so interesting that you're not going to get buried on page two, I kind of like to think of the inbox like SEO. How many people make it past the first 10 results on Google? You found what you're looking for there. And you're probably unless you're really digging deep into some technical term or or uh, uh, investigating some idea you have or or need uh, need to answer a your question, you're not getting to page two. Then you're probably going to find the information you're looking for on your first search. It, I think it's kind of the same way with uh, uh, Gmail specifically or any inbox. Uh, I mean, I like I'm an inbox zero person, but I've got my business in Outlook on my domain and I've got my newsletters in Gmail so again it's unique to each each list again when that uh non-engagement segment needs to be cut off no clicks no opens in x amount of months I think it's very unique and and unique for every list and uh, certainly I'm very good at finding it uh so again, I think that each list is unique. I think that the people at the other end are unique. Uh, certainly, your voice is unique. Uh, we're, we're all just people, and, and really, Gmail is just people too. We just happen to see them, you know, through a, 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 a open pixels. So That's all we can really tell about people anymore is just just the open pixel. Did they open it? Did they click? Uh, certainly, segmentation will tell you a lot. Buyers. You know, leads, uh, Leads are leads been with you for a long time? Are you seeing your entire list churn uh, every, tw- uh, uh, say, three to four months because they're not engaging? If your list is churning every three to four months and you're losing a ton to non-engagers, obviously you're doing something wrong. It's that's, that's probably time to start thinking about your marketing.
0: Yeah, and no, I, I love that, Chris, and before we continue on, You've already dropped so many pearls of wisdom. I know that there's going to be people out there that want to connect with you. What's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, certainly, you can just look for Chris Lang. See my bright, shiny, happy face on Facebook. Drop me a messenger chat at the same time so I know you're of me for a reason. Uh, Better Call Chris Lang is my new corporate style site. Uh, my shortcut, my long sales copy, Better Call Lang. It's like Better Call sell BetterCallLang.com. Uh, that, that's more of my, uh, older, older site. Pick up the phone and call me 720 550 Just pick up the phone and call me. It sits right there. We hear that business line ring and we run for it because it's always someone I want to talk to.
0: Of course, I love that. And Chris, as you're listening, you can press pause. It's all going to be in the show notes of this episode. You don't have to go anywhere. We make it simple. You can click the, little, the phone number, you'll literally be able to click on your iPhone and just instantly call Chris. So, so you don't have to go any further. But
1: it is kind of my brand. Better call Chris Lang. <laughs>
0: that is exactly right.
1: Call, you know, okay? it just fits in so many ways. So- but, uh, my answers are kind of long-winded, and I do kind of like to give you some background as to why I'm saying what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, talking to Chris Lyon can't be like drinking from a fire hose. This has been said before, Ryan, but but I think it's important that people, since we have the time today, uh, we're not in a rush to do a 15- to 30-minute podcast. I think it's important if, if I answer your question, I, I help you understand it in the frame of your own uh, business, your own list, your own mindset experience
0: oh I love it I am I'm, I'm unique enough Chris that if I'm the only one who gets any damn value out of this and everybody else doesn't like it because they don't like the long-winded answer well then it's not for them but I know my listeners well enough to know you're here for a reason you have so much stuff to share that I, 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 again, I'm again I'm really humbled to get your tap into some of your knowledge so answer as long as you want to we're not in any sort of rush because now I have the question right so my background Affiliate marketing based. Owned a web hosting company. Um, we went from no clients to 575,000 clients in 18 months. All affiliate driven, and of course, we we ran the typical six to one opt-in to sales. So our our mailing list grew very rapidly. And we were back back then. We were um, oh gosh, uh, get response. We our our crew was get response. We knew Simon very well. We had you know dedicated servers and all the fun stuff. And we would literally load up every email that we got. We'd have a couple different domains to send from, and we would instantly start affiliate marketing other people's stuff. You know, we were a three to 10 grand a day on autopilot profit just from sending email to people that had opted in. And it was, gosh, that was every bit of 10 years ago at this point, right? Times have certainly changed, but how much... Yeah, of course. How much weight do you put in now to the service that you're using, right? I'm personally a send grid with my AWS server, right? And I'm rotating IP addresses, even though I will dive into all the data that I have. But I have my homegrown list that's a couple thousand people that doesn't need any of that. And then I have data that I've acquired over my lifetime that's millions that, Chris, I have no damn idea what to do with because it's just sitting around and they haven't heard from me and to re-engage them and not burn up things. I'm... I'm, I'm i'm now you know i'm the fire hydrant and i'm just dumping stuff on you but number one what's the best platform to use for somebody potentially what are you seeing the best open rates for inbox rate more inbox and opens opens to me is uh quality of content but what do you uh what do you think what's what's the best way to go
1: so after after five years in this and uh, my partner mark goldman and i opened Send13, our own uh smtp esp uh much like SendGrid offers for uh uh, uh, hosted Mailers, hosted Softer. Uh, a- after doing this for going on six years now, and Russell Brunson was my very first client. Let- let's be honest, I got really lucky. Uh, I mean, I was flat broke six years ago. Just two of us.
0: Uh, yeah. I was bankrupt. My, my truck was getting repossessed six years ago.
1: I get it. <laughs> i i wove that comeback right. It's maybe not so good for wives. I think we're always sitting at the top of that roller coaster. I like going up and down. I love that comeback trip. It's everything you do makes things better. I mean, you can't really screw up. So uh, this was a time six years ago when I really didn't think I had any more to offer. Uh, the marketing world, and I was just dreading, thinking about getting a job, being a bartender or something. And, uh, you know, suddenly Gmail just dawned on me, and, and, and I, I saw how it worked after – uh, years of writing a, a, a book about artificial intelligence, rightly called Machine Learning. So, and I formulated this theory in in in, in really after uh, basically platform agnostic. I work where the client's at. Rarely do I recommend anyone leaves. Uh, a Weber even did a major upgrade to the platform. Uh, so, we're, we're looking at a. a Weber having more legs today, whereas uh, they are probably. Just people just like to bash them. It's like Go GoDaddy hosting. Well, Nothing wrong with either, but people like to find something to complain about.
0: But back in the day with shared servers, right, and the IP addresses that were getting burnt by people that were spamming, you could literally be a mom-and-pop flower store and not be inboxing, right? At least back when I was with AWeber, right? It was it's like,
1: still true now. Yeah. Uh, and that's still true now. But one thing that I've learned is, is after all this that I just talked about, uh, not only to come back to her, but uh, running an ESP and getting to be part of the good old boys club. That's called the head of delivery at the ESPs. I have those kinds of guys' respect now, and, and, and they tell me things I don't know. I tell them things they don't know. Uh, it, it's kind of cool to be in that place, you know, that that good old boys club that you never even, you know, it was just ether out there. I mean, most email platforms, you don't even get to talk to the delivery department and in compliance too you just get warnings and then support talks to you so after years of this i have come to believe that every esp is great delivery and it's very true they have great ip addresses they have good ip addresses and they have poor ip addresses and it's up to you to earn your spot on the good to the great all depending on how much uh you want to uh, uh Infringe upon your list. I prefer good. I think that good gets you a better ROI, and I've proved that to myself time and time again. It's hard to get to great. Uh, great is great for some things. For marketers, good is where you want to be. You want to stay away from poor, and this is done by say cleaning your list with high-end list scrub software. Of course, I'm CTO and co-founder of Clean Thirteen, so I've got a bias. Uh, again deciding that there is a non-engagement rate and and again because gmail depends on their engagement rate algorithm so heavily and gmail's you know 50 to 70 percent of your list you got to play their game these days there's no more ignoring it and going i'm not going to chop up my list to get jump through Gmail's suits well except for in a few odd niches gmail pretty much owns your list uh 70 to 80, 90% is what I'm seeing with uh, clients with fresh So, again, you've got to earn your spot. You've got to earn your spot with Gmail. You've got to earn your spot with your ESP. And above all, I've started seeing by 10% more each year over the course of the last three years that more and more of your delivery is based on your content. And of course, you're from domain, you're from address domain. Uh, Three years ago, I started seeing it with sixty forty in favor of your ESP and their high-quality IPs. As Gmail has risen from uh, uh, a half a billion to 1.5 billion active users in 2019, not to mention the list footprints I'm seeing in uh, with clients, Send13 and Clean13. I'm saying that 70% of delivery is on your, your own from address domain these days, and, and that the IPs and the ESP that you're on really has a lot less to do with it these days. Obviously, your ESP has got to do its job. I mean, they have to have uh, uh, quality IP addresses, and they have to work hard to keep them at that quality. Uh, it's a very big job for the delivery department, to keep these large pools of IPs doing well. Uh, you find ones that are not, you retire them, rehab them, and then and then you add them back in. That is what the Postmaster and the delivery team does, besides identifying bad senders that either need to go out poor IPs or get kicked off altogether. The only way you can get an attention as a Postmaster anymore is to threaten people. Nobody will take any action unless you shut the, threaten to shut down the sending or throw them off. That's why we've seen so many warnings and horror stories come from ESPs lately because it's the only thing that works. You now it's it's kind of like the spear the rod thing from you know when I was a kid in the seventies. Uh, today we can't exactly say that anymore. But when it comes to ESPs, you can't spear the rod or else these people will run right over you. And the marketing department is highly at fault. Uh, the marketing department, no matter how much I educate them with my clients, they always backslide to mail it as you know, oh we got a new product. Let's mail the whole list. And that's what happens to reputation. The, uh, 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 warning emails from compliance and the delivery team start coming in. You, you, you've really got to do the job yourself today. And, and it's not anything like it was just three years ago. It, it's all about Gmail and it's all about that from address coming. So again, you know, I don't want to, I, I, I hear people saying, oh, you know, I change the from address all the time, uh, so that, uh, uh, it breaks Gmail's filters, breaks Gmail's foldering, and, you know, you might decide to put all your newsletters in a folder and all your personal email shows in the primary. Uh, oh, we change the from address to break get. Guess what? It doesn't work like that anymore. You have got to build reputation, authority, and recognition on your from address name and your from address text to make it today in
0: Gmail. Wow. That, that's incredible. I mean, it is, but it's not because you and I. I want to talk about some artificial intelligence. So I'm, I you you wrote up what is is oddly enough a fiction book that is probably not really all that fictional, based around artificial intelligence. And I happen to be fortunate to have a license from Caltech and JPL for cognitive reasoning, artificial intelligence as it pertains to to marketing and some crazy automation pieces and parts. And see. Right? We're, we're doing predictive logic of understanding when people are using platforms and when they're most likely to open an ad and when they're most likely to open an email. I get all this granular data based off, again, IP addresses of phone and devices and spending habits versus when they get paid and open rates and ad click rates. Like it's, in case you're curious, there's so many things going on behind the scenes that, to me, like you said, the, uh, the novice or the common folk, whatever you want to call them, Everything you've done from your smartphone has been tracked, compiled, and, and segmented since you had your first smartphone, right? Like, it, it's it's there. We as marketers know how to get it. Well, not all of us, but I think a lot of us are getting more and more wise to how to get it. And what I hear you saying is quality matters because quality of consumption matters because it shows time on page. It shows uh, authority. It, it amplifies all the key performance indicators, but that's mattering for social posting. That's mattering for, you know, SEO. Now that's mattering for, it used to be right, right before the Panda update, you're going to love this. My partners and I bought a domain called FreeWebsite.com for half million bucks because it was before Panda and a uh, exact match domain. You were, you were gold. You're going to be number one on Google.
1: Dude. I still go for bitch. I yeah. will still grab one if I can just to sell it.
0: Yep, and so we, we spent the half million bucks, we designed a, you know, a, a whole, we were gonna go toe-to-toe with webs, Wix, Weebly, the whole done-for-you website builder. We shot commercials, ready to go, and we had the most atrocious, I mean, we were black hat SEO guys, right? It's backlinks and content spinners, name something, we did it, and then the Panda update comes. And our site instantly gets put in the sandbox, and we couldn't get it out if we wanted to. So we had two and a half million dollars invested into this site, that now is literally not visible on Google, and it's just it was just gone. So I say all that because I'm very curious about your your thoughts on AI, on your your thoughts on how that is playing into the marketplace, right? You're sure you're you're an email specialist, but you're also a marketing specialist. You have so many ties to so many different places. I truly think that while you have your niche, your 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 breadth of knowledge is deep.
1: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a decent marketer. Let's say I can get the job done. I write darn good email copy that inboxes. I always have. Uh, and certainly, you know, would, let's talk about how I got here. I got wiped out by uh, Trend Micro with their uh, domain quality uh, ratings. One of the first, and if uh, blacklist to come out, everybody has them now. There's about 10 of them. Uh, they wiped me out. And you were talking about Black Hat SEO. Remember Dig? Dig oh, yeah. was like my favorite place in the world. I could get like 300 digs, and I would rank number one instantly on Google for something. Yep. Uh, it was it was a great time, and I loved it, too. But, uh, you know, I was also the most hated man on Dig. I mean, the entire Dig team, if they could find me, would immediately kick me off. They'd they be my IP address at home one time, via Cox Cable. So, I mean, I've been around too. Let's talk about, uh, number one, you're very right. As, as you were listing just some of the data that you can get, how could you possibly do anything with it without having some kind of machine learning to tell you the full story? I mean, e- email drives me a little crazy as far as trying to figure it out because I get the delivery in, but I never know what happened in the mind of, the, the, the copywriter and the marketing team and exactly what segment of their list they send it to. Uh, I have some very expensive uh, one-of-a-kind uh, ESP-level software, you know, stuff that only the big boys use, uh, and it's AI, and it brings all your data into one place. Now, uh, it costs me about 100 grand a year, I'm not messing around here, but I just couldn't do it anymore, I, and I simply couldn't scale enough clients to make more than like 250 grand a year, so something had to be done and I'm changing some things. I'm, I'm looking at being more of an agency and less of a uh, Gmail fixer as I have been and enjoyed been the last few years. But let's talk about what kind of, some of the data that Gmail has is to work with. I actually just took a second and pulled up my slide from my onstage speech. And it, it, if you're any kind of a science fiction nut like I am, you might remember a little movie called Soiler Green because Gmail is people you didn't get that one but I didn't see it I'm a little older than than most guys these days and you guys just get younger every time but uh, let's talk about what Gmail is people means so like I said between 2012 2019 we've seen Gmail triple its active users from a half a billion to 1.5 billion. I mean, think about the amount of data that they're ter- terabytes of data. They're churning up 24 seven 365 worldwide. And and let's look at Gmail as a crowdsourcing platform. And everyone has every single user has one small piece of the story to tell Gmail's machines. Uh, right now, we you know did did they open our emails? Did they get a click? That's really about all we can tell uh, with various pieces of uh, very expensive software, you know, like Return Path 250, okay, uh, uh, the application that I use. We we can tell, you know, pretty well whether or not things went to uh, the the Gmail promotions tab at times, certainly the the spam box versus the inbox. But, you know, let's let's look at some of the, the data that Gmail has when we start thinking about their filters are people. We do all the work for them. I mean, do they open the email? When they open the email, what do they do? Do they just uh Do they just go like this and flick to the bottom of the uh, uh, the email to see how long it is? Oh God, that thing's like seven pages long. I don't have time for that. Delete or the old. I'll get back to it later, which never happens. So, are, but are they scrolling down slowly? Uh, either I desktop Thirty percent probably of uh, your uh, your applications use, and yeah, somewhere out sixty percent on some type of phone. I mean, are they actually reading it? Are they? T- is is it is it sitting open, or are they actually scrolling down the screen? Gmail knows all this. We can't get that kind of thing. We can't run the scripts that that would tell us, uh, uh, you know, uh, mouse moves, et cetera, and things like we can with a web page. Um, are they clicking links? What happens when they click the links? Are the links sticky? Now we're talking to uh, uh, Google Analytics time on page. Um, are you are you clicking the spam button? Are you are they deleting you without even opening the email? Are they opening the email and then immediately hitting delete? So all of these things, Ryan, are are things that Gmail knows, and there and there's gotta be a ton more than that too. Uh, not to mention they have they have a You know, just like uh, in SEO, they have a stored version of your website uh, whenever it's fired. Well, certainly Gmail has stored all of your emails and and they know what they're about. And they have, you know, extreme AI software. And, you know, the machines can read your email and they can actually start to get some kind of inflection of, uh, let's say, personality, uh, intent, uh, emotions. They certainly can, uh, uh, Gmail certainly can uh, attain the emotions as I see that through one of my applications in my AI. So all this, all this data is going into Gmail and tons more that, that uh... okay, let's look at it this way. Okay, let's look at it this way. Uh, you know what an entity is from SEO. Mm-hmm. It could be a thing, it could be a place, it could be a person. Uh, we could think of your domain name in your from address as an entity. Uh, And Gmail has a ton of data on your site. It knows how long it's been around, knows how much traffic it really gets. Uh, Lots of identity was created on you during the days of Google+. We gave them a lot of personal data over there. And and Gmail knows what account is what. If you got 10 Gmail accounts and you send an email to them all and you're judging your delivery by that, I think you might be uh, uh, misleading yourself. I mean, Gmail knows what's real or not. And and the number, when I talk about Gmail active users, now I'm talking about Larry Page sales, uh, uh, earnings calls each year, uh, each quarter. So we're we're not like pulling this off some website. This is direct from what what Google issues within its quarterly statements. But I mean, if you think about it, if you think about, uh, okay, let's think about what an entity is doing. Are they on a bus? Uh, Do they live in Connecticut? And are they taking a train into New York? Uh, Are they riding in a car? What are they doing while they read your emails? Are they actually sitting still and focused on your reading emails, or are they doing 10 other things? Uh, I mean, that's something that Gmail could certainly uh, pull some thoughts of indicators of quality from. Is the person actually... Are, okay, so are, is, are they – I'm actually kind of brainstorming some things up here. Are they an inbox zero kind of guy, or are they like me that just lets them all roll by and, and really just likes, you know, them stored in Gmail? And believe me, Gmail's got a lot of data on me. I was a beta tester in 2004. I was one of the first ones with Gmail invites. So, I mean, and, and I'm sure all of you listening out there, and, and certainly you, Ryan – can sit here and start to think about when you use your phone, how you use it, when you read email, and indicators of quality that Gmail can get from you. I would say leaving the email and clicking the link is by far one of the biggest indicators. Um, and then of course, what happens at the other end? Did they go to your site? Did they go to an affiliate site? Was it a site of any quality? Uh, were they simply just a sales funnel? Or was it, it, was it, was it YouTube? What, is, what are their properties? Did they actually watch the entire video because it was only three minutes long at the other end? I mean, you can, uh, so when it comes to AI, machine learning, uh, cognitive intelligence, which is a, uh, one of my favorite words because I think the AI is a completely misleading term these days. It's, it's just really become a catch-all marketer. Uh Machine learning. Means that you can take the data that you stored in the machines through the AI, and then you can make predictions from it, etc. And at the core, Gmail is—I the, the, still believe now, ten years later—that the core of Gmail's machine learning is predicting whether or not you will open the email. Now, I started to touch on entity. I decided to launch off that a bit, so. Let's say now Gmail knows a heck of a lot about me. I've been carrying an Android phone since saw uh, the first droid came out and it was a big hunk of metal. They, they you know I've been using Google Maps and my cheap my, my actual Google account, Chris Lang at gmail.com, was was originally created in 2004 and it's been active ever since. Uh, they they know a heck of a lot about Chris Lang. Um, you know they know and, and now they acquired Fitbit. They even know that uh, uh, I sleep poorly. Uh, uh, as, as you saw me chewing gum, I'm, smoking, I'm quitting smoking finally after uh, 20 years. And uh, they know a lot about me, even more so now, because now they have full access to the Fitbit I've been wearing for a couple years. And think what they can do about that. I think what they can do with it, uh, are they going to do anything with it? We don't know. I mean, Gmail is really famous, or Google overall is famous lately for creating new applications and then sunsetting them years earlier. Uh, certainly, I was the first buyer of a Google TV and uh, fell into that group. I was really kind of unhappy to see that that uh, uh, hardware go, by the wayside. But but I mean, you know a lot about how, uh, I, I want to hear more about your description of what you think going on because you actually went to school for it. I just sat down and read about uh, $800 worth of PhD level books.
0: Yeah, so I, I can't say I necessarily went to school with it, but I'm getting schooled by JPL and um, you know Caltech and the, the, the sister company that's running all this is something called Beyond Limits. And so originally... This company is basically a think tank to fight off the singularity, right? I mean, they're 100% convinced singularity is a real thing, and that you know whether it's there's you know conflicting data points, whether it's 17 years out or you know 67 years or somewhere in there. At some point, right? I'm a 35 year old man. There's a good chance inside of my lifetime that if you're unfamiliar with the singularity, that the machines that we've been giving all of our data to eventually don't need us any longer, right? We've literally outpaced ourselves with the ability of really deep, deep learning machines and their ability to cross correlate data and then, you know, do what they want with it. And so, I came in as the only marketing side from a mutual acquaintance because their whole thing is, you know, singularity based AI, right, just machine learning. And I came in and said, well, wait, you have all these data points, you have all this stuff, could we build a module that starts to get very predictive with user behavior? right across platforms because I'm looking at it from, right, a CPA side of things, CPC side of things. If I can make sure that I'm only serving ads to the right people at the right time from when they're most likely to make a buying decision, I can drive my cost of marketing down in my estimation by 70%, right? So now all of a sudden I can outbid for keywords based off how I'm serving things and life would become grand. Well, what, without causing too much you know, uh, upheaval and panic. If you can think of something, it is now tracked, right? Just like Chris is saying. So I wear a whoop, right? I, I wear an Aura ring. I, right, have my computer open all day long. My car has GPS. Every time I pull the, my credit card has a chip in it. All of that is being tracked real time all the time. Not sometimes, not when you're using it. Like, you are known where you are at and how you spend money and how that correlates again versus deposits in your bank account and your spending habits hour by hour, minute by minute, week by week on the backside of when you receive your, your deposit, right? Assuming most of most of you listening might be on a direct deposit schedule from your employer, right? There's a good chance you're going to start to see as Chris is saying, email proliferation increase on a Thursday evening slash Friday morning. Cause most people get paid Thursday night slash Friday. Well, we, we knew that as marketers a long time ago, right? Because we could see how our sales increased. Well, now it's a lot deeper than that because some people, right, take direct deposits, some people get checks and we can see spending habits and what you're doing with your physical credit card, let alone how you are interacting with PayPal and how you're interacting with your phone, right? Like how often are you making outbound phone calls to what zip codes nary or what area codes? Where are you traveling to when you get to travel? All this is going into how marketers, right, myself, you, Chris, how we are eventually going to use this to our benefit. I cringe to say against you, but for in our side, it's driving down the cost of acquisition. And how do we pay for your attention in a way that's not intrusive? Right, which is why, from a consumer side of things, that's why Facebook, that's why Google, that's why everybody is caring so much about quality. Right, I'm, I'm more Facebook driven right now. You can't post junk anymore. You can't post spam. It has to be engaging content that's unique on a consistent basis at a multitude of different times every day, and why they're actually pushing user behavior into groups versus pages or individual, you know, private profiles, because groups allow for a, a, a tribalization where that still wears a marketer. If you're not pushing people into groups, like all Facebook is doing is allowing how we used to use Facebook four years ago, it still can now operate in a group setting, kind of. And so, uh, maybe not fascinating, but for productivity and efficiency for me, Chris, I took my, I unsubscribe, I, I got rid of all my mail clients from my cell phone. I'm like, look, I'm spending way too much damn time looking at, every time there's an alert, I'm picking up my phone, I'm seeing you know, I gotta respond to everybody. The emails that I started to get and what started the inbox changed dramatically when I was only opening my email from my laptop. And especially at times of days, right? Like I only really check email from 10 a.m. to eleven a.m. and then from one to two and then from four to five. Like that's the only time it's even open. And there's enough learning going on that People like Dean and, and Tony Robbins, they're still inboxing, although I've never clicked on one of their emails. They are still, like it pops in, almost like clockwork right when I log in. It's almost always at the top. So guys with, guys with big budgets, guys that have access to people like Chris, there's going to be this massive separation in the scammers that existed, and I used to be one of them, right? My hand is held high. I was an affiliate marketing guy that didn't care about the quality of product. I cared about being able to convince you to buy it. That was my, that was my story long time ago, but it was me. I want to own that. The marketplace is being forced to clean up its act because people with big dollars got big dollars because they're doing the right thing more often than not. And the the scammers, the affiliate marketers, the, the guys that were, you know, making it difficult for real people to get in your email box, they're not going to be able to exist the same way anymore. Like that's why many chat, And Facebook is cleaning up the chat. Like I I completely, Chris, on my side, I'm looking at my open rates, even on my house list, right? Something that people are highly engaged with me. Good open rates for me, 55 percent, right? Most most of of what I send out is about 50, 55 percent, but it's a small list. Then I look at many chat, right, through Facebook Messenger. Everything I send out, 92, 94, 96 percent. And so what's happened is, unfortunately in my opinion, those same scammers and spammers and all the stuff that I used to be have now ruined that for those of us that want to actually have conversations with our clients. And on January 12th or 15th, all of the compliance changes inside of Facebook and you're not going to be able to use chat the way you used to, to be able to promote things. There's a 24-hour window from time that you, right, communicate with somebody to time you can send them a link. And after that, you're kind of off off the grid. So I think there's, I can see... Data-wise with AI, there's a push going back now to email even more because marketers know that that chat's not going to work the same way. Certainly. Sure. And so I know that, again, is a long-winded answer, but I'm seeing so many unique things where it's no secret as to why you might get the 800 number phone calls that are saying your warranty is up on your car or promoting a new car because I can get that data now. right? Like As I was sure. saying to start, start the interview, Chris, I mean, I... I've purchased, over the course of the past even year, I've probably purchased 60, no, that's not enough. I probably purchased 400,000 email and mailing records of my ideal client. Now I have them, but they don't know who I am and I don't want to spam them. I know I have to run through list hygiene. Haven't done that yet, right? I'm, I'm certainly gonna use your service for that. But I have no idea how to appropriately do that other than my old school mentality would be to get a pool of IP addresses that I know they're scorched earth to me, right? I gotta, get a, I gotta get a server that's gonna be a throwaway with some prepaid cards. I gotta get some IP addresses that I know I'm gonna torch. Is there a better way to approach that? I mean, I got the data ethically. I didn't scrape for it. I, I, I did it through actual list service providers. But what do I do?
1: Yeah, my question is uh, how much is uh, Facebook going to allow you to use those emails to create a, uh, a, a a custom list. Uh, I mean I've heard, I've heard the, uh, the 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 stories this spring that you needed to have some type of permission. Uh, certainly if they were on your list at some point, as far as now we're talking non-engagers. Uh, now, not engagers, you have permission to mail them and you should rebuild your list with, with Facebook custom audiences. Uh, now as far as Now, if if you really want to mail a list like this, you may want to talk to an expert in uh, cold mailing. Uh, Mark Goldman, my partner, is. Um, I I stick to white hat. Uh, Mm -hmm. I found that uh, commercial mailers, as we call them rightly, uh, have greater expectations than I'm ever going to be able to deliver on. But you're certainly right what you were talking about doing this, is trying to get the list engaged but I would, I would think about, you know, possibly being able to run that Facebook custom audience, at least warm them up to your brand, at least get some of that list to actually opt in uh, and with those kind of numbers. And, and certainly you said you're a Facebook ads guy. It would seem like it would be a natural for you. Um,
0: well, I'm going to go the old school route, Chris. I mean, I think there's, I think we're going to see a transition back to snail mail for a lot of this, right? I, have, I originally bought it to... To send them right, I've written a book.
1: Oh, so you have a dress as well, the checker.
0: Yeah, I want to. I want to send them physical mail in their hand of a value ad, right? Something that's not just a sale, not not just an old school Dan Kennedy sales letter, which I, I love Dan, but something a, a little a little more meaty than that, and encourage them to either right join a Facebook group or opt into a list or send me an email or or something. But I know it's so going to be so many people, right? I, I, this none of this is. This is all long-term cultivation to my coaching and mentorship business. This is not like a, I'm not trying to sell a $97 product. This isn't, I'm not, I love Russell, but I'm not selling ClickFunnels. This is something where I want to walk them through a customer cultivation sequence. I only want to hop on the phone and even speak to people that I know I can solve their problem. Right? So that's, that's the thing. And even seeing on your side, right, does HTML matter inside of email right now? Is that throttling deliverability?
1: No, I mean, it used to be that, uh, certainly I still advocate using a platform, this site that uses two-part my content, that you that you want to uh, uh, allow the machines to fully understand just your text, even if nobody's using all uh, text-only email anymore. Uh, you you want to allow the machines to understand what you're saying without markup. Uh, we still do believe that using too much HTML, and this comes from... Okay, so I even caught a major marketer, an extremely well-known name. We may have mentioned him already, using Word to build his email markup. And we knew 10 years, you know, people have forgotten what we used to what we learned 10 years ago is and you don't use copy a word into an HTML editor. Uh, people have completely forgotten some of the basics that, that we learned and used 10, 15 years ago on Aweber. So you don't use Word number one to mark up your emails or any other kind of uh, uh, what's the right word for it? Uh, you know, uh, uh, formatting type applications. You use your text editor, Notepad, if you're a Windows user, whatever text editor. If you're Mac, but here's what happens when it when it comes to blowing up HTML like you're talking about is now you drop the email even though it's starting out as plain text into your HTML editor in your ESP. But every time that you make a change, let's say you add a bold and then you unbold it. You just created 137 lines of, uh, uh, HT, uh 170 characters of HTML by bolding it. And then, Oh, I don't want that bold unbolding. It. So these heavily formatted, uh, 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 emails with lots of bold underlines just typical good copy uh, that we all learned to write you know 10 years ago copy first day you know bolds underlines and italics uh bullets etc uh, so the more you play with the email and the editor you it, it so when you bold something it will add about 137 characters to the uh, uh, the typical opening tag and then a closing tag but the thing is, if you unbold it, you think it would just remove that. No, it pushes those uh, that, that, that formatting aside and then next to the bolded uh, text, it adds in another 137 characters. Do it again, Then now another 137 characters. It doesn't erase what's there, it just pushes it aside and then puts the tag right around the actual text so that that's what the machines actually interpret and in, say bolder text. This is how you blow up HTML email. Number two, you have got to send HTML email these days. The days of not doing it are over. Uh, you have got to get, uh, certainly, uh, opens. you got to get that open pixel to fire, because if it hasn't fired in four months and there's no clicks from that user, you're going to have to start thinking about removing them from your list. Uh, certainly, we've seen some evidence of more engaged email segments going to primary. I think that's more the chicken and the egg, is that you got out of promotions, and hence you're seeing higher engagement. Not that you uh, had higher reputation and hence ended up with higher engagement. Both are true, but we're we're talking chicken and egg here. Uh, Did the fixing the promotions tab happen first, or did the the fixing of engagement get you out of the promotions tab? again, Gmail isn't going to tell us but let's also think about uh, uh, allowing that non engaged segment to build up build up build up. Uh, certainly you'll be in, you'll see, you will see more promotions stamp and being 100% in the promotions tab is going to cut your engagement so far down that eventually you know you just watch your list disappear because you can't mail anything beyond six months. It's simply impossible. Uh, Gmail's gonna bang you for it hard. Your own ESP is gonna delay, throttle the email going out, depending on how much of your list is past even six months. So now, eventually, the next thing that will happen is the unengagement will get so bad due to the promotions tab over time that you'll end up in Gmail spam. And then it's the real eye-opening moment when you're getting 4% opens. So all this occurs. So, yes, number one, you have to use HTML. Number two, monkey with it in that HTML editor as little as possible. If you have access to direct HTML, I, I write my my emails in uh, AWeber. For one reason, I still can get to the raw HTML. And uh, I, I use very simple tags. I use a, sh- a single paragraph tag at the top with the font and size formatting, I like big, I like big uh, uh, text on my phone. I hate having to go get uh, these things to use my phone. It's why I hate the phone. I don't like the text size huge, and, and I, I just hate the phone. It's the only thing I need glasses for. Uh, that and reading the Bible, those are the two smallest pieces of text in the world. So what I'm saying here is you, you've got to get that open rate. Uh, and, and also, I usually throw in one big gem towards the end of any of these calls that nobody else is going to tell you. We have seen evidence of sending text-only email to Gmail as an obvious attempt to game Gmail because there's absolutely no reason to send text-only email, not HTML. And we have seen G- spam folder placement uh, at times we don't hear this is made scientist theory this isn't even a working theory or anything I would call fact but when you see it and it has a footprint and you have uh, you know years of experience you know, going on six years you're doing nothing but thinking about Gmail yeah I usually turn out to be right Sometimes so let's, let's, is just as valuable as being right
0: love to ask you a question on that so I experienced something that's almost the opposite of what you just said my sequence It's warm up. It's all the normal stuff. And there's a point in which I write what's called a nine word email where the nine word email is plain as could be. It's a little like I woke up in the morning, I'm sitting on the toilet and I happen to write Chris comma, what sort of business are you in Ryan? And my whole goal with that is to spark a conversation and to get a feedback loop going where you're, we're we're now playing ping pong back and forth. That email gets the best open rate, the best response rate and the best like it's, that's my, that is my golden nugget. That's in the corner that I don't see anybody else doing because everything else is shiny and HTML and fancy. Then there's this, it's in my sequence. It's the fourth email somebody gets that's conversational and it works.
1: I, I have never, uh, I not think I've ever written a paragraph in email in 20 years. I started writing bullets and I've always written bullets. If I can, if, if I have to wrap a sentence, in in desktop going back 15 years ago then I knew I was going on too long I had not gotten my point across now I can't write long copy and and you know it's like drinking from a firehouse talking to but email allows me is just a different mindset for me uh, I would say your email is, is definitely brilliant and it's something I would I, I, I tell all my clients you need to use uh, you need to ask someone a question and, and, and do it in such a way, you don't have to use the, hey, just hit reply prompt. I mean, people know how to reply to an email. Everybody knows how to do that. If they want to reply to you, they're going to. And that two-way conversation is by far the best piece of whitelisting indicator. Uh, they'll be able to do your Gmail address book. That two-way conversation is gonna to go to primary. But still at the same time, I can, you, know, you said it is HTML, because it gets the best open, so you got to be firing a pixel. But uh, what I was talking about is plain, everyday, actual text-only email.
0: Uh, okay, yep. You
1: know, the old stuff we used to send from Aweber because, yeah, HTML was hated. Uh, HTML you know, was a privacy concern. But now that we have to remove unengagers at some point, HTML is no longer uh, a marketer's privacy concern. We have got to measure non-openers, and because they hurt our list, you know, love them or leave them, uh, it doesn't matter. You're gonna have to pull non-engagers at six months just to continue to get any traction in Gmail, because if you don't, and you keep, but you know, there's a couple guys, I mean, if you think back to 15 years ago, the big names, I was on one particular list, I'm not gonna name names, it's not a client or anything, and the guy doesn't like me much as it is. I don't really want to piss him off more, but this particular very well-known old guru of 15 years ago, I signed up to his list in 2004. I just checked his from address, and for 14 years, I've never opened one of his emails, and he still hits my inbox. That completely flies. 14 years of emails, 15 almost now is 2019 sending. How in God's name, Do the ESPs force us to remove, not engages, but yet this particular uh, extremely well-known name has been mailing me for 15 years. I've never opened an email, and I just searched his uh, from address in uh, his domain, from address domain, in Gmail, just because we were considering doing doing a deal with with, uh, his list on something. And here we are with nothing but and then I you know, put in a date range and I, I was able to walk back all the way to the beginning, 15 years, not one open. Gmail's still inboxing. How does that even happen? Uh, that I find to be very, very interesting there. With shirt, a tricks, fuzz.
0: Like, to- so Chris, I want to ask you one more question. I could go on for I think literally two or three more hours. This has been incredible for me. How much weight, like if if I go for I'll say buying, sending domains, right? I can go to many services that have aged domains that have had websites on them that have actual content. They are, are not blacklisted right there. It's from somebody else like, you know, you know Susie's flower shop, we'll say.com. How much is that going to help my inbox to have a domain that's aged that it looks like it comes from that had actual quality content on it?
1: Well, number one, anybody, any uh, uh, mailbox provider or ISP is going to hit you for a domain of less than 30 days. Number two, I truly believe that content on the domain uh, and the age of content has, has some kind of effect in the algo. There's four to 600 algos at Gmail. It's got to be one of them. Uh, next, everything, here's a real gem, too. It comes straight to me from a call with Google, with G, head of Gmail, where I was listening, And I was just a listener on it. Gmail does not talk to me. Very rarely does Gmail talk to anyone. <sighs> G- Google, watch Google and of course Gmail in, in particular here, watch SSL certs on everything. That means they want an SSL cert on your site. If you're linking to a site on an email, it better have a cert on it. And third, here's the biggie. They want all of your images to come from an SSL source too, an HTTPS source. So... Uh, I, I, I've i never been that big of a, a, a mailer or had that much traffic. You know, maybe 80,000 a month uh, is was, was uh, 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 my goal and, and certainly a moneymaker for me. And that was organic. That was SEO. That was, so that was that, not the days of ads as we have today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I never had a problem with just hosting all my images right on my hosting. My well, hosting? A hundred bucks a month? You can stand up to, you know, uh, just about everything. But, uh you know, uh, a, a major, a major, uh, gone viral listing. Uh, you're in the news, whatever. Now, I believe that all of those are positive indicators: having a cert, having content, having agent domain. Uh, uh, here, here's a good one too, because since if you've listened this long, I think that you deserve some real information that I'm that, that you're not going to get elsewhere. I believe that who is need to be public, and and I believe that your business name. Uh, also, just like if you remember old Google Places uh, uh, SEO. Uh, what I used to recommend then is that, because everybody wants your, your, your uh, annotations to be exactly the same. No different spaces, no different capitalization, no uh, uh, commas missing. And I, I used to tell people when I was in that business consulting 10, 12 years ago, that you want to look at your business license. And make that it the, the, exactly the same in all your annotations. Uh, you know your Yelp, et etc. That's what annotations are. If you, if you if you never played around with SEO or local uh, local SEO, uh, so again, I feel that uh, you know you should again your domain is an entity. An entity has accurate information about it. The more that Gmail and Google can tell about your domain and it certainly, I think, applies to email, uh, the more you can be seen as someone who would not do something illegal and, uh, or, or something shady because, well, their who is is public. You can actually send a cease and desist right to their, right to their door of their PIO box. So those are some of the things that I believe uh, should be all uh, in place around your from address domain. Uh, is it going to make a night and day? No, there are no more little dials over here. We can twist at Gmail and, and get great delivery. It's about not doing anything wrong and leaving only what you do is right. Get your white listing set up. Uh, 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 choose a great list scrub and scrub your list. Of course, we own Clean13. Uh, if you have landing page notes, I'll give you a link to our free trial. No Thanks. forced opt in, no card, none of that. Uh, we, we just want to let people try us out. I don't even think you're gonna get more than a welcome email. We're not gonna bury it in uh, Black Friday deals and coupons and all that crap. Uh, it, it, now, I want you to be very careful when it comes to list scrubbing. I do not want you to use something called a email validation service. What they are very bad at is looking into free mailbox providers, the big four. It's 90% of your list. Now, I, I ran uh, 154 known Yahoo hard bounces from my own database on Center 13 or SMTP platform, and I ran it through uh, quite a few of these email list validation services. And they said uh, all the Yahoo's that were definite hard bounces, non-existent user, were just fine. And it's because validation, really all it can do is look at, does yahoo.com exist and have an MX record on it? Great, good to go. No, we're really good at looking into each email one by one. And there's a few other services out there that do the same. Uh, if, if for some reason Creed 13 is not for you, you want to save you know, uh, a little bit lower price, or you see a Black Friday coupon, hey, I need to actually save a couple hundred dollars this month, great, go use them. But I, I, I'm telling you, we're extremely proud of our service. We build it privately. Uh, behind the scenes, to use only for our clients, and I, I got so busy scrubbing emails for uh, 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 scrub-only clients—not full boat consulting clients, but people that you know I talk about my service, and they're like, "Hey," uh, and because we were super secret, we were at uh, least we weren't public. That was a, a big uh, a button pressure for people. We had to make it public we to cut me loose, and doing my own job. Find a great service, scrub, use whitelisting, set and non-engage your date range. Get custom DKIM set up so that you do not have on behalf of uh, email listings. You can look at your own email in Gmail. If it says via AWeber, via GetResponse, uh, via Infusionsoft, you need to set up custom DKIM, and that focuses all of the reputation on your domain, not AWeber's because you're actually helping Aweber out by being a great, uh, a great mailer in the case of not using custom DKIM. You have custom DKIM. Now you want to focus all of the work that you're doing at your own domain. So those are the three big things. There is uh, whitelisting custom DKIM, because you get credit for it, not the mailing platform. They get some, but not all of it. And uh, certainly uh, great list hygiene. Uh, and the last thing I gotta say is, you gotta be freaking interesting, guys. I mean, seriously, you have got to email fun and fast. Fun and fast equals delivery these days. If uh, if you're gonna bore me with a two page sales letter, you know what you're gonna get? It's gonna be oh, that's way too long. Delete. And that and, and you've just told Gmail that can't a rotten email. So. I'm, you have got to be fun. You've got to be, uh, uh, one, of, one of my clients uh, uses a particular subject line quite a bit. And I told him, it's always a hardcore case study. A guy walked into a doctor's office, is how I'll portray it. And I said, why don't you cut that long, uh, 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 that big sales pitch after the guy walks into the doctor's office? Why don't you go look at some Gilbert Gottfried on YouTube and start and tell a little joke? You could just rip off Gilbert Gottfried and, and, and turn the disgusting side of the guy down. I love the guy, but I uh, uh, make it a joke and then move on to the guy walked into a doctor's office and this is what really happened. But I mean, making somebody, if you could get me to open an email and I know you're going to make me laugh for a second and it's gonna I will open it just for that fun. And those, those are, you know, in a nutshell, a long conversation here, we've been on for an hour and a half, but, uh, that's everything that I think about email today, and those are the things I say publicly. What I say behind the scenes is uh, uh, quite a bit deeper, because we take all the things we talked about, and we do about 10 times more with them.
0: I, I, I look forward to and have a good feeling that I'm going to be able to be yet another case study in your in your tribe. I, I just have too many things that float around that I don't know what the hell to do with them, Chris. I don't know how else to say it. I, I just... I don't know what I don't know. And I would rather find somebody that's brilliant at it and let them do what they do.
1: Certainly in the new year, I have a nice little uh, 150 page booklet out. Uh, it's called the Inbox Insider. By the time most people see this, we get basically, it'll be ready. The Inbox Insider, the email delivery checklist, every marketer needs to know. Jeff Hershey <laughs> helped me put that together. That's brilliant. And Jeff Hershey told me that was awesome and I should go with it. So, you know, I mean, the guy's a great marketer. I'm not. So it originally started out as the email delivery checklist. Uh, There's zero benefit there, pal. Because I mean, <laughs> that sucks is what Hershey told me. So that'll be available after the first of the year. And that's going to take pretty much everything that we talked about today, condense it down quite a bit. And we're going to show you some ways to measure your email delivery for free and figure out if you have a delivery problem or not. That's the biggest issue is a lot of people are paying a lot of uh, deliverability experts, you know, 250, maybe 500 an hour just to find out that the leads are weak. And, you know, you're going to the promotion staff, you got a set of steak knives. And, and you shouldn't have to pay for that. You should know you have a problem. And and, and you should be able to figure that out on your own. And that's what the, the whole little, the, 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 the little, it's almost a halfway between a pamphlet and a book. So they'll be ready soon. I think we could follow up and uh, uh, do some call-outs from that, maybe in January, uh, if you want to kind of really do some uh, hard-hitting stuff up front. Right now, we're talking concepts and principles. And, you know, I mean, I, I took two and a half years off to read the Bible, and the biggest thing I learned from it is that Jesus taught me concepts and principles, and those are way more valuable than do this, do that, do this, do that, because within a year, Gmail's changed again, and do this, do that, are, are, are just what everybody's doing. So it's, uh, it's kind of how I think about things is, you know, Gmail is people is the number one thing you've got to remember. This is not a set of static filters that you're facing that can be gained. You can't gain 1.5 billion people. And and you've got to get those 1.5 billion people to do something that I call subscriber endorsement. And you're going to see your delivery, you know, magically go up. And it'll stay there, too, because just like your email about what business you're in, you're providing subscriber endorsement when they reply.
0: Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much, my friend, for all these pearls of wisdom. I look forward to a part two. I know I'm going to want more of this, and I'm sure the the listeners are going to want it as well. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Hey, thank you for helping me do a rather unique podcast that that was long, wide open, and we could talk concepts and principles. And I think we had a big finish here too. I tried to really kind of wrap it up at the end. I I hope that worked for you out there, everybody.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again, Chris. Bye now, right?